This is Ian Hartley. And I'm Warren Kay. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see Him more clearly, love Him more dearly, and follow Him more nearly. Good day, Ian. Hello, Warren. This is number 50. We have come of age. Yeah, and, and today we're talking about prayer. And we last talked about prayer on number seven when we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Yes. And before we get to prayer, um, which I'm looking forward to, I just want to invite people to join us Monday night on um, a Zoom chat room with people that are listening to the podcast. So Monday night at eight o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And if you just dial in with the number 403-506-9201, and we'd be glad to have you come, ask your questions, and uh, we'll just spend some time together. It's a great time. A lot of zeros in that number, 403-506-9201. At least they're not all in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So um, uh, last Monday night we were talking, we had some questions on prayer and we were talking about prayer. And so this podcast grew out of that uh, interesting conversation we had. Yes. So um, let's just get right into it. Uh, many prayers pass the buck to God. Uh, somebody will say, oh, John Doe's in hospital, uh, and then let's pray about it, and the prayer goes like this, uh, dear Lord, please bless John Doe in hospital. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I don't know if God has a phone, but you have a phone, I have a phone, we can call John Doe, we can send flowers or chocolates, we can visit, we can move John Doe's snow or cut his grass. We can make food for John Doe if necessary. Um, but we just seem to pass it on to God. Dear God, bless John Doe. You do that? <laughs> well, I've known to do that, yes. <laughs> uh, however, I've come to realize that uh, often my prayers are really a response to God's prayers. Because he sent the Spirit to impress me about John Doe uh -huh. with the intention that I will do something about it, as you've suggested, yeah. not just throw it back to God. Yeah. But we tend to think of prayer as um, getting God to do these things for us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. So another interesting phenomenon i run into is that people seem to think that the more people are praying the more likely the prayers to be answered so my aunt has cancer but everybody in loma linda is praying for her and everybody at walla walla and so on so the implication being i'm sure she's going to be healed because so many people are praying yeah, surely we can twist God's arm with more people uh -huh. to get him to do what we want. We sort of think that God is impressed with many petitions like politicians are. Yeah. 
So uh, in James 5, verse 16, and uh, I just sort of loosely quoted, it. it says there, effectual fervent prayer of a one righteous person avail as much. God so is impressed yeah. with our numbers. Yeah. Um, another allied uh, understanding is that repetition uh, is a very good thing. You know, you just keep on saying the same prayer. You hear mothers who, who brag that they've prayed for their wayward son for 30 years, and they're still going to keep praying. They'll just never give up. Um, so we'll talk about perseverance, but there's a difference between repetition and perseverance. So um, we've got this verse in Matthew 6, verse 7 to 8, that I'd like you to read, please, Warren. Sure. So Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7 uh, uh, are Jesus' uh, uh, basic speech that he gives on the kingdom of heaven. And he tries to tell us what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. So Matthew 6 is Jesus leading up now to the Lord's prayer that he's going to give us. And he says this in Matthew 6, 7, and 8. When you pray, don't babble on and on, as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Thank you. So very clearly, Jesus is discouraging us uh, using repetition. Uh, of course, in chapter 7, he'll say, ask, seek, and knock. And uh, But he's not saying repeat. He's saying persevere. We'll talk about this a bit later. Then I don't, I'm sure you've noticed, uh, Warren, that many prayers sound like uh, lists for Santa Claus around Christmas time. Indeed. Uh, you know, bless this person and that person and that person, and we list off why God should bless them. So we just give him this whole list of uh, duty. I'm reminded of a, a season of prayer and afterwards, someone made the comment, God's going to be really busy. Yeah. And it was just ironic that we, we become the one in control and God is running errands for us. Uh-huh. I like that. We're going to come back to that. Yeah. You know, Jesus acted on his prayer. When he goes to resurrect Lazarus, he says, roll the stone aside. I mean, he believes that when he prays uh, for Lazarus and commands him to come out, it's actually going to happen. Right. You know, like the prayer meeting that they had for rain, and only one little kid came with an umbrella. Right, yeah. It's like we, we say these things, but we don't actually expect them to happen. Well, and, you know, in people's defense, we don't expect it to happen because, to be honest, it seldom does. Yeah. Because we're asking for things that we want, not the things that God wants us to be asking for. Yeah. And so, yeah, we get a bit jaded 
uh, and are shocked when it actually happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. You know, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And we, if we um, summarize the Lord's Prayer in two sections, the first half is concern for God. Thy will be done in heaven uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second part is all about giving thanks for God, to God for uh, many of the gifts he's given us. And yeah. uh, I refer our listeners to uh, podcast number seven. It's very enlightening. I've never looked at the Lord's Prayer the same way since. It uh -huh. just really opens it up to be just, I mean, so often the Lord's Prayer is just a, a rote thing that people say without ever even thinking about what they're saying. They just say the words, almost at times in a nonsensical way because there's no thought given. Yeah. And this really uh, breaks it down to realize what Jesus was was praying for it wasn't it, you know it's not like okay if you pray like this then god will surely answer your prayer because yeah. you're not praying for things except to to bring glory to god to bless him yeah uh so uh let's talk about intercessory prayer because this is a big uh ticket item uh on any discussion on prayer uh so intercessory prayer uh, I would suggest is hearing from God what you can do for whoever you're praying for. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So when you're praying for John Doe, uh, then if it's intercessory prayer, uh, then there seems to be some obligation to pause for however long it takes to hear from God what he wants you to do for John mm -hmm. Doe. Right. Yeah, I like that. You know, um, especially parents who pray for their wayward children. Um, if they would only say to God, change me so that I can make an appeal to this child of mine. My life can be uh, one of building bridges instead of putting up walls and barriers. Yeah, it's not always the parents' fault for more wisdom and more love for that child. So um, in this connection, I, I'm thinking of Romans 10 verse nine. And it says this, Romans 10, nine. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, I just want to stop there. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, the, the implication of saying Jesus is Lord is that I am servant. Right, exactly. So um, if Jesus is Lord, then I'm to listen to what my Lord wants me to do. And I'm not there to tell my Lord what to do. Yeah. But I'm to hear what my Lord wants me to do. That's a very significant shift. Because uh, people, you know, I mean, they're sincere in their intention, but they don't realize what what they're really the situation they're setting up where they are the one that's telling God what to do. Yeah. So uh, we want to spend a few minutes uh, thinking about fasting because fasting and praying are connected in many people's minds. And uh, I often run into people who 
who want to fast. And it's like almost the, um, the best method for getting your way with God is to go on a fast. Well, it shows God how serious I am, right? If I'm willing to deprive myself of food, surely he'll listen to me. So here's some uh, texts in the New Testament. In Acts 13, when the church at Antioch, where believers were first called Christians, uh, they decided to ordain Paul and Barnabas for a missionary trip. So they did that with fasting and prayer. So uh, this was something they practiced in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus comments um, on fasting uh, in Matthew 6. He says, if you're going to fast, uh, put olive oil on your face and do it in secret. Uh, don't tell everybody I'm going to fast for three days. Do it in secret. And then in uh, Luke 18, he's talking about the Pharisees who fasted twice a week, by the way. This was one of their big points was that they fasted twice a week and everybody knew they were fasting and when they were fasting and how they were fasting. And so Jesus says uh, about these self-righteous fasting religious leaders, uh, they've got all the reward they're going to get when it comes to, uh, to fasting. I, I knew of a gentleman would come to uh, church potluck every Sabbath, but he would never eat. He would say, well, I'm fasting today. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you could fast tomorrow, but then nobody else would know because he, nobody will see him. So it probably wouldn't get the same benefit. <clears throat> yeah. So let's talk about Jesus fasting for 40 days. Mm. So you know the gospel writers differ on this, uh, on why Jesus went into the desert. Um, Matthew says he went into the desert to be tempted. And Luke says he went into the desert and was tempted. And I, I think this is... Uh, uh, true for fasting also. Jesus didn't go into the desert too fast. He went into the desert and he fasted. Right. See, when when I'm ill uh, or um, very anxious, I tend to lose my appetite. It's like the body is uh, conserving its energy to deal with whatever is to hand. So Jesus just been baptized. This voice from heaven says, you are my son. I love you. I'm well pleased in you. This is huge. As far as we know, this is the first time that Jesus is confirmed as the divine son of God. And so he goes into the desert to meditate on the implications of what this voice uh, has said. And what it means for him. It's like he has grown up his whole life with his mother telling him he was special. And, and, and I'm sure through scripture, she pointed to him verses that would validate that. But now it's been validated by God's voice. 
Yeah. And it becomes more real to him than ever before. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he, he takes time to consider what this really does mean. Yeah. So the reason I bring this up is to, uh, there's nothing wrong with fasting. Uh, it has to do with the motivation behind it. I mean, I understand for, from health, the health point of view, it's also good to fast. Mm -hmm. um, different ways of fasting. Um, and I, I really want you to read Matthew 9, 14 to 17, because this really puts fasting into perspective. Matthew 9, 14 to 17. And what version are you reading? I'm One. reading from the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Thank you. Matthew uh, 9. So one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees, and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. I just want to stop you there and say to you, you don't fast if you're with Jesus. So is that mean that, because uh, they were with him literally. Will, uh, yeah. And so then he, but he said, when I'm gone, then, then, then you will fast. So does that mean that we shouldn't fast now because we can be with him even though not literally? Let me take a little step before I agree with you. Jesus was saying that when he was tortured and executed and lay in the tomb, they would be fasting. They wouldn't be uh, eating food then. I mean, the whole world was dashed. Yes. They were afraid for their lives. So that's what he's talking about. And they're saying, well, why don't your disciples fast? And he says, because I'm here with them. But when I'm not with them, then they'll fast. Okay. So when you have Jesus in your heart and mind, uh, you're not mourning anything. You're not anxious. Um, you're not uh, concerned for your life. Mm. So those reasons for fasting um, don't come up for the Christian who has Jesus in their heart. Good point. Yeah. So now I'm going to show you three verses where in the King James Bible, uh, fasting is encouraged uh, and that are not in your New Living Translation. Okay. Um, so the first one, I want you to read it in Matthew 17, 21, and I've got a New Living Translation here. Okay, you've, got a, it, you've got a uh, King James there? Um, yeah, I can get a King James. So 1721 from the New Living says... Um, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Okay, so um, I'm just busy finding the King James Version on my phone here. Oh, I see. Yeah, my, I don't have verse 21. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Yeah, I have verse 20, and then it goes to 22. Okay. So down at the bottom, it says, but this kind of demon, so it says some manuscripts add verse 21, but this kind of demon won't leave except by prayer and fasting. Uh, the interesting thing is that uh, that verse, so that's totally left out of the modern versions. Yes. It's because they can't find it in the original copies of the originals that we have, because we have no originals for the New Testament. Right. So uh, that's why it's left out. Of course, put as a footnote always. Mm -hmm. Verses are never left out. They just moved into a footnote in the modern translations right and so there's always an asterisk there uh, reminding you to look at the footnote so the parallel for this is found in mark 9 29 um, and i want to read that first in the king james version verse 29 and this is what it says and he said unto them as Jesus speaking to his disciples, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So this is the boy that kept throwing himself into the fire. He was demon possessed and the disciples tried to cast out the demon and they failed. And then Jesus comes down the mountain, casts out the demon and the disciples say to him, um, how come we couldn't pass, cast the demon out? And in the King James, it says, because you don't pray and fast. What does your version say? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Do you notice the fasting? Not there. Not there. Just a little star. And at the bottom, it says some uh, manuscripts read by prayer and fasting. Yeah. So there's one more verse that... Uh, uh, where the fasting's left out, and that's in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. So I'm going to read the King James Version. Yes. Defraud you not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So... It's talking about uh, a married couple abstaining from sex because they're concerned and they want to pray about something. Some change needs to be made. And the King James says fasting and prayer and yours only has. Do not be deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, so no fasting there again. Again. Um, so, because we can't find it in the earlier manuscripts, it's just got prayer. Yeah. So this is what we think happened. Uh, the medieval church was big on fasting. And so the scribes added the fasting as part of the text when they were copying it or when it was being translated. 
so fasting became one of the traditions of the church. Yeah, that's very interesting that um, it was added in later by good intention scribes, but still was not in the uh, more original manuscript. Yeah. So um, I want to go now to uh, sort of attempting to define prayer. And uh, I'm using the little book, Steps to Christ, uh, page 93. It's out of the chapter on prayer. And it has some really interesting definitions. It says, prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. So let's just stop there for a minute. You and I are friends. If every time I saw you, I asked you to do something for me, how would that work for you? I'd, I'd get a bit shy when I saw you coming. Yeah. Yeah, it would wear thin. Yeah, so the opening of the heart to God as to a friend means that you share good things. Yeah, you share some bad times too, but uh, there's also an interest in how your friend's life is going. Yes. Um, that sort of means prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. I, I don't have that kind of conversation when I go and see my uh, physician. When I go to see him, I don't ask him, so how's your life going? I say to him, look, my one leg's shorter than the other one. Can you lengthen it? You know, it's a very focused conversation. Because you don't want to waste his time. No. So I'm reading on, not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are. Okay, God knows about us. But in order to enable us to receive him, prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. So th there's a change that's necessary. And the change is not in God, but the change in us. Right. Yeah. We're not, we're not convincing God to do anything different than what he would already be doing because he knows what we need. Yes. But he wants to bring about a change in us to redirect our focus from our petty little things to the bigger picture that he's concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer is not about changing God, twisting his arm. Yeah. Catching his attention. Um but so that the change that's needed can happen in us. So same page, page 93 in Steps to Christ, in order to commune with God, we must have something to say to him concerning our actual life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's more than just a, a, a list of things that we want. And people that we're concerned about. Yes. Now, being concerned about other people is part of our life. But it's our joys and sorrows, the cares and fears we have, and the perplexities we face, and the rejoicings we have in our lives. So it's bringing these to consciousness in the presence of God that is dealing uh, honestly uh, with yourself in God's presence. You know, I once um, was led to think about God and the, and the reality that God can be with everyone all at the same time. 
Yeah. So when I'm praying to him, I'm not, I don't need to be in a hurry. Like with the physician, I don't want to waste his time because God's been sitting there waiting for me to show up for, you know, since I was there the last time. It's not like I'm getting him to come from some other important task that he's doing because he can be doing that and he can also be sitting with me to learn about my life and to be able to dialogue with me. So I don't need to be in a rush. I don't need to be in a hurry to think I'm taking up his time because he is longs to be here in my presence. Mm -hmm. He's been waiting for me to slow down long enough to be able to sit with him. Mm. Now, this is what we mean by the timelessness of God. Mm -hmm. He's not a creature of time. He's not bound by time, which is a bit hard for us to grasp. Yes. So one more comment here on page 94. Prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storms where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. Now when, when you, we say boundless resources of omnipotence, generally our minds sort of go health, wealth, and happiness. And there's no reason why those aren't uh, included, but there's bigger fish to fry. And, and we'll come to that a bit later. Uh, what's in this storehouse um, that God wants to share with us? Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of the story when Jesus went home to uh, Nazareth where he grew up. And, and, uh, and it said that they, he wasn't able to do many miracles because the people didn't have faith. Um, and, and, you know, as I reflected on that, I thought it's not because they came to him for a miracle uh, and he said, well, sorry, I can't heal you or I can't do that because you have such little faith. It's they didn't believe enough to even come to him to ask him. So he, what could he do? Yeah. And, and so prayer is, mm. is the, the, the hand of faith. It's, it's what, it's our way of showing we believe, we trust in him. We will come into his presence, not just to get things, but to spend time with him. So um, there's some things that are necessary for friendship that also, um, because prayer is really about building that relationship, that friendship with God. Yes. So um, I like to call people who haven't called me for a while and say, um, hello, you've been neglecting me. Why is that? <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm trying to say in my roundabout way is uh, I'm missing you. Right. You know, prayer, um, if you're not missing God, you're not really praying. You're seeing God as Santa Claus. Yes. Now, I need some things. And by the way, God would rather have you come to him under those conditions than never come. But there's a much better way to come. Right. So clear conscience. When you're harboring unhappiness, unkindness, uh, guilt, um, it does not free you up for the relationship 
that's possible with God. It's like Adam and Eve discovering they're naked and hiding from God. God hadn't changed, but they'd changed. Yes. So faith, faith, you know, is a, an instrument. Um, faith does not save us, but faith is necessary uh, in our relationship. Faith enables us to put aside doubt and fear uh, about God. So um, otherwise, if you can't put aside your doubts and fears about God, it bedevils your relationship with God. Another point is, um, like all relationships, we need to persevere in our communication with each other. There are then, times, yeah. I think of the, you know, there are times when um, God seems very distant. Yeah. And we need to persevere through those times and, and still come to him, even though we don't feel like it. Well, you know, that's true in human relationships. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, uh, I've heard it described like a rubber band, you know, you, you stretch the rubber band and you become more distant and then you get to a place where the rubber band snaps you back together again. Yeah. It, it just seems to, as human beings, that seems to be how it works. So when you're moving apart, you need to say, uh, we're moving apart, but we're going to snap together again. Right. So forgiveness for other people seems to be crucial to this relationship with God. Uh, Jesus is very insistent and very dogmatic about this. Uh, after the Lord's Prayer, he says this in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sin. So I'd like to restate that. If we are unforgiving towards other people, we will eventually come to the place where we don't believe that God can forgive us. We have the sense of integrity inside of us. We know that the way we treat other people is the way we deserve to be treated by God. Yeah. That really reframes that statement to, to realize that it's not something that God's heart is hardened, it's our heart that gets hardened. And we can't believe that he can forgive us because we have not been able to forgive others. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, there, you know, most uh, Christian prayers always end with in Jesus' name. So I want to address that. It's found in John 14. 13 to 14. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, because of this uh, statement by Jesus, um, we've, we've taken this literally and trivialized it. So, we think that if you end the prayer with, in Jesus' name, it's now certain to be answered because yeah. of what Jesus said here. But name in the Bible always refers to character. So what Jesus is saying here is if you ask in my character, if you ask thinking the way I do and feeling the way I feel, 
I'll do it for you. Yeah, that it, it's much more than just a little, um, what can I say, uh, a little thing to tack on the end to make it okay. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this journey to understand the God that Jesus knew. And if you'd like to share this with friends, we'd appreciate that. In fact, we have created a new website called rediscoveringgod.ca. You can refer your friends to that site, and they can see all the podcasts that we have produced so far, and the ones uh, in the future will be posted there. Uh, you can make comments. You can join us in a dialogue and a conversation so that we can discover what difference this is making for you or any questions that you have that we can endeavor to answer or perhaps address in a future podcast. So that's rediscoveringgod.ca. In addition to the website, we've also created a WhatsApp site called Rediscovering God. So if you're on WhatsApp or would like to join us, uh, just search for us there or send me an email at wkay. S is in Sam, I-X, at gmail.com. And I'll be glad to add you to our group and we can continue the dialogue there.